Hi, everyone, and welcome to What Would My Shrink Say, a podcast where you get inside the heads of a couple psychologists and see life through their eyes. You'll never be the same. What are we talking about today, Dr. Wardle? I've had a bunch of people asking me, uh, clients mostly, about self-sabotage. Mm-hmm. You familiar with what, this term? Yeah, I think, it, I think it is a really common topic for people when they come into therapy to, to, to frame things in almost this way, this self-sabotaging way. Um, so yeah, I hear this a lot. Yeah, it's one of these terms that is not strictly a clinical term. Like you, I don't ever really remember hearing about this like in grad school in any of my training, but it, it's kind of in the folk psychology. And I'm sure if some... I'm sure it has origins in you know some therapist or person back in the day. Some theory um, somewhere. But people are always surprised. They're like, tell me about self-sabotage. Mm-hmm. And I'm mm-hmm. always like, oh, I don't know. I don't really know. Um, there's no technical kind of criteria for self-sabotage. It's not something you get trained in or study necessarily as a, as a therapist. And then people are just like, what? Yeah, this thing seems to be the thing I do. Yeah, it's like yeah. codependency. That's another one of them. Well, you know, it, people talk it's about, almost but. sometimes talked about with this air of mystery too. Mm. Like, I wish I could figure out why I do this mm-hmm. self-sabotaging thing. And that's an interesting part of almost every dialogue uh, around self-sabotage topics is like this kind of, why do I do this? You know, why we, if I put a goal for myself, would I inherently or... or would I undermine myself in some yes. way? Like, why would I do that? The motivation for the self-sabotage seems to be part of the topic. We should have called this podcast Mystery Busters. <laughs> I think this is our favorite thing to do. I'm not sure I agree, <laughs> but I like, I see where you're coming from. <laughs> um, okay, yeah, so self-sabotage. How do you think about self-sabotage? Like, let's, okay, definitions. How would you define self-sabotage? Um, usually it's when someone is acting against their own best interests or, um, and and can kind of see that basically Mm -hmm. they've set some kind of goal or some kind of made some, a decision about how they want to approach something. And then through their own behaviors, um, either knowingly or unknowingly, they're, they're undermining their own kind of progress towards that goal. Okay. So that's key. It doesn't necessarily, they can either be conscious of it or not really conscious of it. Yeah. Right. Either way. Yeah. Yeah, overt or, or covert. Yeah. I, I, I think I basically agree. I, I think that's basically self-sabotage is when you're, yeah, you're undermining your own goals or values um, mm-hmm. with the kind of wrinkle that it can either be obvious or maybe not so obvious mm-hmm. to you. Mm-hmm. Um, so what are some, like when you think of examples of self-sabotage specifically, let's start with ones that are where people are aware of it. Like what's a common example of like self-sabotage when you're you're aware of doing it. I mean, if there's a goal around, um, maybe I'd like to do more um, with my family or I'd like to do more with my kids and, and participate more in their lives. And yet you just scheduled, you schedule a bunch of vacations and time with your friends or whatever it is. And you kind of realize, oh, I'm self-sabotaging here. My goal of being with my mm-hmm. kids is now co-opted and I'm not doing that at all mm-hmm. yeah. because I've made these other dates and commitments that make that goal impossible. Right. So you have some sort of priority or value, but um, you're doing this other stuff that's incompatible with it. Yeah. Somehow. Yeah. yeah. I think of procrastination as a really common mm, instance very, of very self-sabotage. Common. Yeah. Right? yeah. Um, so saying this thing is really important to me, this hobby, this project I want to work on, and then just kind of 
never making time for it or never getting around to it. Or, yeah, or I see these people in, in kind of cyclical relationships where they break up and they're like, oh, that's it, I'm done. And then they're like, oh, I'm, I'm back in that relationship with that person. Why did I do that? I'm back in this situation where, oh. you know, now, you know, back in the situation where I need to break up with this person and end this relationship. And it's, mm. yeah, there's kind of this, you, you see it a lot in relationships yep. sometimes in those kind of. Also food and drugs. Right, mm-hmm, another mm-hmm. one people talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, this was one I. This is an example of um, self, like kind of covert or unconscious self sabotage. I had a client who sort of discovered that she was stress eating, and that was kind of a, an example of self sabotage for her. That she didn't, she didn't really. She, she would. She has a really stressful job, and she'd get home from work um, and just be super stressed out, and just almost like instinctively would just go f- to the cabinet and mm-hmm. just kind of mm-hmm. munch on quick and easy kind of yummy stuff. And what she realized is that it, it made her, it was kind of a stress reliever, a temporarily, mm-hmm. a temporary stress reliever. But what she then kind of didn't realize or really put together is how much that was impacting her, one of her longer term goals of um, just sort of health generally. And she'd wanted to lose weight and was having trouble with it. And so I think that that's like a really common example too of, of self-sabotage. Yeah, or you mentioned uh, substances as well. So going, you know, um, making a resolution or something to stop drinking and then going to parties and things like that and putting yourself in a situation, people will say, I self-sabotaged. I oh, yeah. put myself around those things and fell subject That's a good one, putting yourself in a situation. Mm-hmm. You, you kind of mm-hmm. think like, well, I'll be fine. I've got, I'm, I'm a disciplined person. I'll just, you know, choose not just to do it. Just going to drink some water. Yeah. It'll be great. But once yeah. you're in the situation and there's other people and you're having fun and mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. And then after the fact, you're like, ah, I knew that was going to happen. I knew I should have done that. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. So... Um, but, but you brought, you brought up at the beginning, like mystery, like there's something when people talk about self-sabotage, there's always this air of mystery to it. Like maybe they kind of understand why they're doing something, but at least with my clients, they bring it up and they, it's like, they're really hunting for, there's gotta be some sort of deep seated dynamic going on that, um, that I don't understand. But if, if you can just help me see something different, then I'll, I'll stop, stop self-sabotaging yeah, so yeah. much. And that, this is always the beginning of a, a fun, um, usually multi-session, if not multi-month <laughs> or year conversation mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, about sort of wishful thinking about uh, insight being the thing that's going to lead to change. Yeah, yeah. Right? So that if only I understand why I'm getting in the way of my own kind of goals, yeah. then I'll stop getting in the way of my own goals. Well, and I don't want to minimize insight. I, I think a, a lot of therapy is kind of uh, built around at least gaining some insight into your own behavior. But also, often it's not enough, right, to really constitute behavior change. I would argue rarely. Right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there, there are occasions where really kind of seeing things work or, or being able to kind of get that perspective really does lend some um some fuel to the, the the behavior change, but often enough, yeah, it's not enough to just understand. But this, to me, the mystery part, to me, is a minimization of the nuance of emotion sometimes, where there are lots of competing issues going on in a behavior change that you've identified. And there are lots of different processes inside of that, and you're wanting to do reduce it all to one desire to just change it. And as as much as you want to change that thing, there's also a lot of other 
sometimes, most of the time, a lot of other stuff involved that you're then going to kind of minimize and, and poo-poo a little. Okay, so I, I think I know what you're talking about on a conceptual level, but break, <laughs> like overlay that on a concrete example. Use the example of someone who wants to stop drinking but keeps kind of going to parties and going out to bars and, yeah. and tells themselves they're just going to drink water or soda or something. Yeah, and which they might be very resolute around the idea of, I want to stop drinking, right? That, that may be very clear to them that they want to stop drinking. And that's great. That seems very explicit and clear. Um, there, there also might be a thing around wanting to keep your friendships going mm-hmm. and that's awfully hard to do if you're not going to where they're at. Mm-hmm. There's also a desire. Especially if all your friends like to, that's what they like to do is go out to bars. Yeah. Yeah. There also might be unresolved resol- issues, um, that, that maybe maintained your drinking pattern in the first place that you haven't addressed. Right. Like I mean, what? I used alcohol to cope with rejection or I used alcohol mm-hmm. to cope with, uh, my financial stress or my marital stress or whatever that is. And so it's not just about your desire to quit drinking. It's also about mm. your marital stress, your, you know, all these other things that are, that are still alive and well inside this, this issue for you. And so people will kind of say, well, geez, I've decided to quit drinking. Why am I going to all these parties and putting myself in? Well, there's other things that you're minimizing in that situation that are still factors that you want to talk about and process and figure out how you're going to deal with them. So this is, I, I think this is the insight about self-sabotage that most people don't maybe understand is that if you are chronically self-sabotaging, you're doing it for a reason. Mm-hmm. It seems dumb. It's like, well, I have this goal and I keep shooting myself in the foot. Like, why am I doing that? And the reason with it you're suggesting is, well, because that behavior, it gets you something. Mm-hmm. Often many other things there's a function that are valuable. It. Yeah, there's yeah. a function around why you're doing that. Now that function may not be all, all the way healthy nope. or beneficial to you, but there's a function. Right, and if you, if you can't get that need or function met in some other way, if those are important needs, like the need for friendship and socializing, that's a pretty strong need for most people. And if, the, if, if you don't get that need met in another way, you're just gonna go right back to the one way you know to get that, which is if all your friends, if, if what they really like to do is go out to bars, right? And you are committed to not drinking anymore. And you know that bars are, you know, dangerous in, in, in that sense for you. The kind of scary thing might be, you might have to find new friends. Yeah. Yeah. Or let's say you're drinking because that's the way you handle disappoint, being disappointed by people. And, and there's no way you could get the need of not being disappointed by people met, but it, maybe it's a, I need to, to get better at being disappointed. I need to be more tolerant, you know, of, more tolerant of that and, and, yeah. and learn how to function in a different way rather than just, so yeah, sometimes it's, how do I get a different need met? Or sometimes it's, how do I get better at tolerating certain feelings, emotions, um, contexts, environments? So I think that's key. People think of self-sabotage as a subtraction problem. Like I got to stop doing Mm. this behavior that is getting in the way of these other values. Mm -hmm. I think it's actually an addition problem. You have to figure out, okay, this problematic behavior, what is it doing for me, right? And then you have to add new stuff that gets that need met in a more helpful way, in a way that aligns with your values. Yeah. So it's much more about, it's almost always more about discovering new things and then building those new things to address this need. And once you do that, mm-hmm. then you don't need the self-sabotaging behavior anymore and it goes away on its own. Well, and you and I have talked about the the other interesting kind of uh, situation which self-sabotage comes up almost because we've adopted a value we really don't want or, or, or a goal that we really oh. aren't sold on anyway, right? So 
I, you know, some, somebody sets the goal to become a doctor and they really don't want to be a doctor. It's their parents who want them to be a doctor. So they're out partying every night, you know, and then wondering, why am I doing that? Because I could be a doctor and I, so, so there's also, you know, something to be said for evaluating your values and goals and seeing if they're really in line with each other, you know, and, and really doing a good thorough job of making sure, am I going after something I really want or am I self-sabotaging because I really don't want that thing and I'm trying to keep it away. As, as you know subversively as I can I think that's a surprisingly hard thing for a lot of people to do is to to really be honest with themselves about what they actually want mm-hmm. and what matters to them and what's really important to them especially if it conflicts with what other important people in their lives want because it's it's so easy to get in a habit of deferring or not even asking yourself what you want and just sort of adopting what other people want for you to the extent that I think some people just that muscle is just almost completely atrophied and it's very, very hard. And I think that's part of why self-sabotage can be such a vicious cycle to get out of because it requires that ability to really ask that of yourself, honestly, what do I really want? Boy, that's hard because I think uh, more and more I see, you know, society, parents, friends, social groups, whatever it is, they're more than happy to tell you what you want. (laughs) You know, they're more than happy. And so, I think a lot of people go through life just kind of doing what they're supposed to be doing in air quotes there. Um, and boy, when they, when they hit that goal of being like 35 and they've got their career and they made it through college and they did all, they checked all the boxes and they're like, wait, why am I not happy? Mm. You know, sometimes that's a real case of, man, did you really want this or did somebody else want this for you? And you just kind of fell in line. Well, and what, what are the, a positive way to kind of spin that is the fact that you're self-sabotaging and that you're, you're unhappy about it, it, it. That's an indicator that you, you actually do on some at least primitive level know that you at least want something different, mm-hmm. right? That's your, that's some part of your brain's way of telling you like, mm, are you sure? <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, it could be. Right? Yeah. Um, yeah. And so I, I think that's, it's, but the trick is you have to be, you have to be willing to actually listen to that. And then do the kind of hard work of like, okay, so I definitely don't want this. What do I want instead? Yeah. Or even, or even maybe that should be your first question is like, Ooh, do I really want what I think I want here? Mm-hmm. And then if it is, cause it could be, I mean, it could be that, you know, you're not assessing for other feelings that you have or other contextual or environmental issues that might be at play in kind of that self-sabotage context that, but that's a good place to start. Do I really want what I say I want here? Because mm-hmm. if you can't answer clearly yes to that, then we've already got a problem. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, and then to maybe go back and look for um, maybe what was the function of this thing and how am I going to uh, either meet the function of that, get better at whatever it is that's going to require me to get better at to, to withstand that. A lot of people, you know, when they set goals, don't give themselves enough credit for realizing goals are tough sometimes. Hmm. And, and that it may take several runs at something to, to, to nail it, you right. know, and they'll call it self-sabotage when it's really just, Ooh, we're going to have to try several rounds of this before we realize there may not be some undermining internal process that, struggle, that, you yeah. know, sabotage per se, but more just like, Ooh, I'm not sure how to account for this in my equation that's a, now. That's a great point. Sometimes stuff's just hard. Yeah. And like everybody self-sabotages sometimes. 
Like it's a very human thing to have a, a goal or a desire or a value yeah. and to do something that conflicts with it. That that doesn't necessarily mean you're you're self sabotaging. I, I think that's where you really got to look for something that's systematic. Yeah, and that like happens. Where you're deliberately doing something to undermine your your progress. That, that that's to me what sales sabotage would be. Yeah, I am consistently or, doing something or or not doing something that will undermine my ability to go do this. Yeah, it's the consistent part, like over and over. Yeah. And over. it's really a pattern yeah. over and over and over again. So let's. I just want to clear something up real quick. So this idea of self-sabotage being about um, function. We use that word function, which is a very mm, psychologist-y kind of term. Mm -hmm. But let's, let's go through a, a couple of examples really quick and, and explain what that means. Sure. So like if you are, let's use the example of um, the, the first one, the drinking, like going out to bars and ending mm -hmm. up drinking, even though your value is not drinking anymore, mm -hmm. right? So that self-sabotaging behavior, why is that term so hard to say? We keep, we both keep fumbling over <laughs> <laughs> um, the behavior of drinking, even though you had intended not to, mm -hmm. what is that doing for you? When we say it's functional, what that means is it's doing something for you, mm -hmm. right? So when you're drinking, yes, it's getting in the way of this value, but it's also, it's helping you have fun with your friends. Feel included in the group. Feeling included in the group, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Getting rid of anxiety or disappointment. Feel right? accepted and yeah, yeah. So your self-sabotaging behavior is functional in the sense that it gets stuff for you, mm -hmm. right? Maybe not your, your main goal, but it probably gets other stuff for you. Right. So what, what's another example? Let's kind of break another example down like well, that. You mentioned uh, the, the client that you had who was trying to, I guess, lose weight or be more healthy mm -hmm. and they would come home and eat to, to kind of soothe, self-soothe in yep. a way. So they get kind of a self-soothing, relaxing kind of sensation when they eat um, that that is valuable. Th th there's something right. about that. It's just that, that they're choosing to use a coping skill that also has other impacts. You know, I, I tell clients all the time, alcohol is a great coping skill for about four hours. <laughs> and then it causes all sorts of other problems if you're doing it too often. But these things are functional in some way. They're, they're helping you cope with something. It's yeah. just some coping skills are better than others. And that's a great way to think about it. Functional really just means helppful. Yeah. Like it is helpful in some Stress is tough and something that can alleviate stress is good in general unless the side effects outweigh the right. benefit, right? Right. But what that means is that you don't want to get trapped in the sort of cycle of thinking of like, oh, I'm such a self-sabotager. I got to st stop self-sabotaging. The better way to think about it is I have genuine like needs and goals that aren't getting met or that I can only seem to be to get them met with this one particular behavior. Mm -hmm. Are there other ways I could get those met? Like if I'm super stressed after work, what are some other like healthier ways I could relieve that stress before I get home and I get tempted to eat junk food or whatever? Yeah. Yeah. You know, and a lot of self-sabotage tends to be around emotional kind of our own relationship, I guess, with emotion, you know, um, here's what I do when I, when I feel rejected, you know, I start yelling and lash out and then my boyfriend breaks up with me and that's not a good thing. I want to keep that relationship or whatever it is. So I self-sabotage by getting angry and lashing out and to realize maybe my self-sabotaging is really an issue of I'm not very good at feeling rejected and I don't have a high tolerance for that. And so small infractions, I magnify and, and make bigger issues or something like that. I'm, I'm, I'm spitballing here, but sometimes it's not about stopping a behavior. Sometimes it's about getting better at something else right, too. Right. Yeah. yeah. And that's a good point. Cause I think a, a big misconception with, with self-sabotage is people think it's basically some kind of masochism where like they, yeah, they kind yeah. of like enjoy hurting themselves. Yeah. And I, honestly, I've never seen that to be the case. Almost all, like literally every time I can think of, there were some very obvious 
things that the self-sabotaging behavior did for them, mm. right? It mm-hmm. wasn't this like weird, mysterious, irrational, I'm going to hurt myself because uh, I'm not worthy or something like that. It's like, no, stress eating, yeah, it's got negative side effects, but it helps you de-stress, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Or going out to the bars, like it helps you socialize, right? Yeah. And so I, I think that's important to for people to just come to terms with that it, there, there's often a very important kind of in somewhat ordinary reason for why self-sabotaging behavior persists. And, and sometimes that, that, that reason is obvious and sometimes it does take some processing. And that, I think that's, I think actually therapy is a great place to talk about self-sabotage because it does kind of highlight um, the mechanisms that play in that, in that situation for you. So some things that aren't quite apparent to you might be apparent to your therapist when they, when they look at the situation and see what function, what's functioning and how, and, and, uh, what you're after and, and having someone kind of help you walk through that, that, uh, conceptualization can really illuminate some of the disparities maybe in your understanding of what you're doing. Hey everyone, Nick and I really appreciate you listening to the podcast. Please rate us on iTunes if you get a chance. And if you have any feedback or comments for us, that'd be great as well. And if you have any questions or topics you'd like us to cover in the podcast, let us know in the comment section as well. Thanks.